Well, good morning, everybody. It is so good to be here with you. I wait, yeah, thank you. Um, it, I, I wait until the very last minute to turn my mic on there. I almost uh, didn't even turn it on there for you. But I am so glad to be here with you. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Joel, and it is my, privile my privilege to be filling in this fine Sunday morning. I would like to echo the words of Pastor Jeff that he spoke earlier about those that have served, those that have lost, our, uh, lost their uh, lost their lives for our country. So thankful for our country. So thankful for each of those that have served. So thankful for Memorial Day. Um, I, it's, it's a wonderful weekend, right? How many of you, you just look forward to Memorial Day? Are you kidding me? We live in Broome County, New York for the most part. You guys like December, January, February, March? Is that what it is? I mean, May actually kicks off the sun, the, the, the yellow thing out in the sky. We've seen it for the last week. Am I the only one? Wow, tough crowd this morning. Anyway, I look forward to Memorial Day because I look forward to the idea that summer is coming up. But one of the things that Memorial Day always reminds me of, and, I, and I'm certain it doesn't remind this crowd of that. You guys are already rough. But Memorial Day comes, which is tomorrow, right? We, we honor. Um, you have a little bit longer weekend. Most people do. And uh, along with that, what, what happens the next day? Seems like the very next day, it's July 4th. Anybody else feel like that to me? Or maybe not the next day, but the next week feels like July 4th. And then from there, what is it like two weeks from now is Labor Day, I think. Is that correct? That, that seems to me about how fast it is. And the bad thing about that is, not only does that mean that summer's over and we go through things, but then all of a sudden everybody's got their pumpkin spice garbage out there and all that. So really, we're just better off going back to January and February because it's already pumpkin spice time in my book. And uh, by the way, I will be teaching a class tomorrow on the power of positive thinking. If you would like to come and join in with me on that. I'll give all of you a discounted rate just for laughing there. Anyway, hey, I am so thankful, so happy to be here with you this morning. Um, and as we get into this series, this is week two of this series called Mirror Images. And uh, Pastor Tim kicked it off last week, and I believe it's going to be in full a, full, a four-part series, just going over some of the aspects of our life, because guess what? We live in, if you're not aware of this, we live in a broken world, don't we? And each one of us, we, we come into life, we, we, we're born into our families, we're raised, but, but it doesn't take long into life to realize that there's things that are broken that just don't go quite right. And what do we all want? We all want that opportunity to see things made right, right? We want to see justice. We want to see things turn out right. We want to see what's broken, put back together. And it doesn't always work out that way. But we're looking at this series, series Mirror Images. Why? Because I believe that this establishes a background. Pastor Tim talked last week about what is your worldview, because the worldview that we come at and that we, look through, through we, that we look through the glasses of a worldview and see life and see this world in really helps shape our thinking, helps shape the way we think about God, helps shape the way we think about people, helps shape the way we think about what is coming up in this world. It helps shape the idea of where did we come from? Where does it all end? And our worldview works in that manner to help direct us. And what we want to encourage you to do, we want to encourage you to have a, a, a Christian worldview, a worldview that views that there is a God that is there and a God that although at times it looks like it's out of control, a God that 
is in control. A God that is full of grace, a God that is full of truth. Words that Pastor Tim mentioned last week, full of grace, full of truth. As a matter of fact, John, who spent so much time with Christ here on this world, in this world 2,000 years ago, said that, that he came full of grace and full of truth. Those are things that we, dis- we, we struggle with, right? When I'm full of grace, what am I doing? I, I, a lot of times I like to overlook the truth of a situation. Well, it's okay, everything, right? As a matter of fact, if I get caught speeding today, what is it that I want? I don't want the truth of justice. I want the grace of the officer that pulled me over, right? And you know what they usually say? Here's grace and truth, all right? The grace is I'm going to mark it down five miles per hour. The truth is you're going to pay a fine, right? Grace and truth combined together in that. I don't always do well. Sometimes I'm heavy on the truth truth part, right? You want to be heavy on that. One of the things I realize with all of us in life, or I, I certainly think it's most of us in life, we really love the grace aspect when it's towards us, right? Shower me, show grace. I goofed up again. I messed up again. Show grace in my life. So as we go through this, this series, one of the verses that we want to one of the verses that we want to look at is this verse right here, and it's a verse that's found in Colossians. Paul has actually written this written this letter to a church. It is young. We're talking 40 years after Christ, um, maybe even less than that, 30 years after Christ, after the time of Christ, in that range there. But as he writes this, he's closing up the idea. He just spoke on family and how to behave within a family, and he asked that they would pray for him, that he would be bold, that he would have courage as he speaks, as people hear the word of Jesus Christ. But then he says this, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. I want us to take that into our thoughts as we go, as we go into, this, into this morning's message and into the series. We are looking at this. Why? Because we want to be wise, wise in the way that we act. What? Towards outsiders. Sometimes we think, well, unbelievers, those that are outside the church, well, they're just all messed up anyway, and we got it all right in here, Right? And then you get in with us and you realize, boy, they don't have it all right either. Why? Because we live in a broken world, right? But he says that, be wise towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity, right? Make most of the opportunities we have. Let your conversation always be, there's that idea again, full of grace, yet seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. That is what we are looking at. That is the idea as we go through this series. This is, that is the idea of what we want you to be aware of. Full of grace, full of truth. So hard to do. We want to be wise towards outsiders. We want to be seasoned with salt. We want to be able to respond in a manner that aligns with God, that aligns with the life that Jesus Christ came and lived. Do we get it right always? No. All right? But can we do better? We can always do better. And that is our desire. So this morning, as we get ready to get into this message, I asked Pastor Jeff if he would come and help me. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, Pastor Jeff is one of the finest artists in, in the area. Wow, they're... Teaching, I'm teaching online as well. Anyway, um, how many of you are familiar with the game Pictionary? Come on, you're familiar with Pictionary, all right? I'm going, I'm, I'm going to give Pastor Jeff some words here. He's going to draw them, and what I want you to do is your responsibility is to guess them as quickly as you can, all right? So he's going to do the drawing. You make sure that you guess them as quickly as you can. Here you go. There's, there's no timer. You just get started. 
there you go, already. Yeah, we, got, we had world over here, earth over here. It was world or earth, either one of those would do the trick. I told you that he was really good. See, look at that. Thank you. Look at that. That's just a circle, and you guys knew what he was talking about. Would you like a new sheet of paper, or would no, you want to? You're, you're going to use that one? All right. Y'all set? He is ready for world number two right here. Here we go. Go ahead. See if you can guess this one. Angel. Angel. There we go. All right. All right. You guys are two for two, doing pretty well. Jeff, you are a tremendous, you are a tremendous artist. I think they can see it, but I'll see. Oh, can they see? Oh, they see. They see this already? Is that what it is? Here you go. People. There you go. People, all right? Three, three for three there. Um, you're still good with this page of paper or you want a new one? You're good with that one? Last one? Last one. There you go. Did I hear it? I heard it. What did you even draw? God. Yeah, how in the world? They're all over that. They're... I'm teaching a class on drawing. <laughs> <laughs> no, he is, th thank you so much, Pastor Jeff. I appreciate that. He is teaching that class on drawing tomorrow right after my, positive of power, by my uh, power of positive thinking class. Thank you so much for doing that for me right there. But I do that because of this. All right? World, angels, all right, people. We get stick figures of that. And I don't know where anybody got God from. But all it took was a circle, and we started guessing world and earth. You could get that image idea there. It took them a little longer with that idea of an angel drawing that, trying to get, trying to get a gown or wings down off and a halo on its head, and we got angel. People was very easy, just a stick figure. Is that how your family portraits turn out when you do just a stick figure? And yet you guys all knew that right away. So think about it. We get those images. But then when it comes to God, what is the image that we put on him? Right? What is the image that we draw into him? And like I said, I guess we're trying to make the heavens look there. But somebody thought maybe, they're, maybe that's where we're headed to with, with God with that. And I was a guess. And it's right. And what we want to look at this morning is the image of God. Because you and I, each one of us here, we bear the image of God. You and I, we are made in the image of God. And that affects our thinking on that, found right in Genesis chapter 1. Our thinking on that affects our worldview. It affects how we look at life. So let's take a look. We're going to look. This is, this is in Genesis chapter 1. We are, we are getting to what is called day 6, the day 6 account here. As he goes through this, verse 24, and God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so God made the wild animals, it continues on, according to their kinds, the livestock, according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground, according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. So God is creating this. He is making this on the world. He's creating all the creatures of the world, and he puts them on the world there, and he continues on, and something changes. Because before the language, as a matter of fact, the language through Genesis 1 continually is, then God said, then God said, then God said, let there be, let there be. And it was just a result, and it happened. 
But suddenly he's coming to something different here and he says, then God said, and he changes the language, let us. Suddenly there is a plurality. The first introduction that we have to the Trinity, that there is a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. This is the first introduction that we see of this. But he says, let us make mankind in our image. And not only does he say it once, it's going to be Hebrew poetry here because he wants it to be understood. He's going to repeat it again, in our likeness. He's trying to get an idea down across to the reader. He wants us to know you are made in the image. You are made in the likeness so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky, over the livestock and over all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. He continues on. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Let me just stop there for a minute because I want us to understand that right here, as this passage is being written, the very first chapter of our Bibles that we have, the very first chapter of, of the book that God has given us with his word, we would call, as a matter of fact, we call it our Old Testament, right? Jew, the Jewish um, tradition, it would have been their Jewish scriptures, right? And it's what they would have held on to. It's what they would have studied, right? For, for thousands of years, they studied this. Moses is who, we, who, who wrote this. God was leading Moses around through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And Moses pens this and gives us the idea so that people will understand, hey, be, why? Because they wondered, where did we come from? Where are we going to? And he's giving this down to them. So God created mankind in his own image. Four times we're told image, likeness, image, image. I think God is trying to get something uh, across to people to let them know that they are different from everybody else. You see, all people are made in the image of of God. That is what we are made in. You are made in the image of God. Are we perfect like God? Do we share everything of God? No. Does God have a body like ours? No, God does not have a body like ours. But in some manner, in some form, God has stamped his image on mankind, not on the rest of the world, not on all the other cre creatures that come along the ground. They are not made in his image. Um, let me read this. Uh, this, was, this was on Twitter a little over a year ago. Words can create a more inclusive world or, or perpetuate oppression. Stand up for justice by rejecting supremacist language. Now that right there is not an abnormal tweet, right? That is not something abnormal for us to read in culture. As a matter of fact, it is something that we would all agree with until we realize that it's by PETA, people for the ethical treatment of animals, right? And nothing wrong with treating animals correctly. But PETA, however, they have a different worldview than we do. Their worldview is a worldview that believes that animals and humans, there's not a whole lot of difference, all right? We aren't different from animals. We, we should not be held any higher, all right? As a matter of fact, you see right here on the screen, right here is using animals as insults per, per, perpetuates spe speciesism. There we go. Phew, we get that all out, right? Think about this. So they have recommended that instead of calling somebody a chicken, we call them a coward. Instead of a rat, a snitch, a snake, a jerk, all right? Pig, repulsive, sloth, lazy. You see, these are all insults to animals. Why aren't you taking a picture of that? 
I go to all this work to bring this brilliance right here. No. Um, <laughs> as, as we go down through that list, as you, as you look at that list of things, right? Now, some of you might be saying, these are things we shouldn't be calling people anyway. So, so that may very well be true. You, we shouldn't be using that, right? But it's not because they are equal or equivalent to human beings. What do we know, right? Back if we look at Genesis 1.25 again, if we, if we look at that verse again, what is it? The wild animals, they're created according to their count. The livestock, according to their kinds. Um, the creatures that move along the ground, they're according to their kinds. But what do we know? We are made in the image of of God. Thus, God said, let us make man in our image, our likeness. So God created him in his own image, in the image of God. He created them. Genesis 1, and I you always want to be careful the way you say this, but, but Genesis 1 was not written to refute Charles Darwin. And as important as Genesis 1 and as important as in to understand um, Genesis 1, we miss the point when we only use it to refute evolution. Because the point of Genesis 1 was not to refute evolution, and that's what so frequently we turn it into. The point of Genesis 1 was to point to the specialness of what it is that God is creating, and that's human beings, all right? The point of Genesis 1 is, I am preparing all of this for you. Why is the rest of the story about mankind? The rest of the story is because in Genesis chapter 3, there's going to be a fall, and the rest of the story is about all of creation that he created. It groans, but God sends a savior for what? His special image, the people that he stamped his image upon. You see, it's, th think about this. If you were a husband and wife, if you were expecting a baby, you prepared a nursery, all right? And in preparing that nursery at home, however simple or however complex, beautiful it may have been, right? This is how it normally goes. The wife goes out and, no, don't spend all that on it. Can't, can't the baby just survive on the floor? I mean, what, what, what in the world? What, what do you know? Can't we just put, yeah, see, there you go. Can't we just put little railings up around the floor or something to hold them in there, right? And it said, no, 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 we need the $10,000 crib with the $4,000 little whatever bumper. No, you can't use bumpers anymore. But right, and we go, and we, if you ever go to those baby stores, and I went years and years ago, right, it's like a heaven for little babies. You're just like, whoa, and you want to buy one of everything. And then all of a sudden you realize, woo, you can't buy one of anything, right? No, but you, but you make those purchases and you get that all for, that, for what? So that I can show everybody my special room? Hey, come look at our special nursery that we have. Hey, come on over. We got the nursery done, everybody. Come on over, take a look at it, right? That's what we do with Genesis 1 so often. Instead of taking a look at the beauty of what God is saying, you are made in the image of God. Come over and see the baby. Why? Because it's the baby that's special. And God right here, he's saying, you, 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 we are made in the image of God. As a matter of fact, in chapter two, he continues on because he says it this way. The Lord God formed the man. He doesn't say that about any other parts of creation. He formed. Almost the idea of you and I taking our hands and we start working on something and we, do, and we design it the way that we want it. And that's certainly the language that is used there. But he formed the man out of the dust of the ground. And then what did he do? He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And for so many of us, we may, just, we, we may fall short when we think it's just the air that is out there. 
maybe that breathed into us the breath of life is that part that sets us apart. Why? Because suddenly we have a longing for something more, a longing for eternity. You see, in our world, oftentimes we think that, well, eternity was just made up by people, right? We come from, we come from a worldview of, of naturalism, right? And we, think, and we think that everything is just an accident of nature. And therefore, this accident of nature, people got smart and they wanted more, so they created God in their mind, right? But we don't believe that. We believe that there was a God that created. There is an awesome design, and God created you in his image. And you bear that image. You bear a desire for relationship. You have a desire for eternity. Why? Because God put that within you. He made us like that. You see, in that, we are given some God-given authority as well. In, in, in the creation account that he has given us, there is authority that is given. Since he has made us in God's image, there is authority that we have. God-given authority that matches our God-like power. That doesn't mean that we are gods, all right? But we have some powers, some abilities, right, that other animals, other species don't have. No matter how hard they try, no matter how hard we try to teach them, they don't have it, right? With great power comes great responsibility. And that falls on us as humans. With great power comes great responsibility. And part of that responsibility is this right here. All human life, all of human life is equally sacred. We don't always believe that, do we? Not only do we not always believe that, we don't always live that as well. You see, God in his creation, he said that all human life is equal, equally sacred. I have created that. You know, a little bit later he says, in Genesis he says, those who take man's life, their lives will be taken from them. Why? Because they have destroyed that which was in the image of God. And that was the form of justice. Now, you may support that still today. You may not support that today, whichever way it goes. But the reason originally for capital punishment was the idea that, look, it is God. They are made in the image of God. That's why you don't take that life. So God created mankind in his own image. I bring that up again here. Why? Because I want us to realize in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You see, all human life is equally sacred. Do we value it? Do you and I value it as God did? Do we look around and put value on the people that are around us in spite of some of their behaviors? Do we value life the way God did? This affects our beliefs and actions about race, about gender, and about social status. In life, we get it wrong. Throughout history, humans have got it wrong. We have frequently thought there is somebody superior, right? There is somebody better. But it's not to be said in Christianity. You see, racism, there's no room for that within the life of a Christ follower. There's no room for that within the Christian worldview. And yet you know that that has been part of a problem in our, in our, in our world, right? It shouldn't be there. 
It's not available. Why? Because we're made in the image of God. We are equally sacred. Gender. Is there a gender, right? Do we look down on one gender, up on the other? Is that how we hold it? You know, there are some things that are interesting in the Bible. The first name given to God, as we read through the Bible, was by Hagar. All right? And I think it's Genesis 16. And the God who sees, I think, is what she says. He is the God who sees. Hagar. She was probably a North African slave of Abraham. She's the first one to give him a name. Think about this when it comes to gender idea. Think about Jesus. Jesus broke all of the norms when he spoke to the woman at the well. What was she? She was a Samaritan. They're no good. Those people, they're no good. That's what the New Testament people, right? That's what the religious leaders of the New Testament would say. Not stay away from them. Yet Jesus speaks to her. Number two, she was a woman. Jesus, you're, you claim to be a rabbi. What are you doing over there? Talk, right? The story there even talks about the disciples when they come back and they see him talking to her. They're wondering, what, what's he doing talking with her? There was another problem she had. She was really a sinner. Like you and I, we might be sinners, but she was like a capital S sinner. She'd been divorced five times, right? And she was now living with a guy, probably because she'd given up on the idea, right? She was like, that's kind of, right? And Jesus is over talking to her. Why? Because Jesus values people. You know, sometimes the ones that he showed the least, the least amount of patience with, I'll word it that way, was the religious leaders, right? It was the religious people in the New Testament that always trying to trap him, always trying to trick him, always trying to catch him up, always trying to change what they thought there, right? Jesus reached out to the people. Th- think about this when it, comes to, when it comes to even issues of gender, right? Who were the first ones to see Jesus after he was risen? It wasn't his disciples. It was women. Think about that. In that culture, women didn't have, they, they didn't have the respect of having the ability to witness and say, hey, this is what I saw. No. And yet Jesus elevates, elevates the status of women right there in his culture. We need to remember that we are all equally sacred. We are made in the image of God. Paul said it this way in Galatians when he said these words here. He said, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There is neither male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. What is he saying? None of these exist? He wasn't saying that none of those exist. The acknowledgement is that they do exist. His point was that in Christ, that in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are all on equal footing. We are all on equal ground. That is what we need to know. That is what we need to be aware of. All human life is equally sacred. This affects our beliefs and actions when it comes to abortion. And as you talk about this, you always want to be cautious. Why? Because there are people that have bought into that and there's hurt and there's pain that comes along with that. But think about this right here. They are made in the image of God. Well, it's not an image until it's outside of the womb. Maybe that's the idea. Well, then at what age does it become? You see, David said something quite different in the Psalms. Psalm 139, David says this, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. 
I know that full well. My frame was not hidden, right? He, talk, he goes on. This is the detail that David is given in Psalm 139. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. Your eyes saw me, God. All the days of my life are ordained for me. They are written in your book before one of them ever came to be. Exactly. Praise God for that. We are fearfully, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. About a year ago, there was a report, I think it was last April, there was a report that came out, and, there, and the report came out about, about abortion, about the, the hearing of the heartbeat, and saying that it is not a heartbeat that people hear when, when, they, when, they, when, they're, when they're hooked up to hear the heartbeat of their little, that little baby inside of them. It's not their heartbeat. This is what they say. The sound pregnant people hear during the ultrasound at six weeks is entirely manufactured by the, ultra, by the ultrasound machine. That is Verma. She was the person doing the study. It's an electrical pulse, or writing the article. It wasn't a study. All right, it's an electrical pulse that's translated into the sound we're hearing from the ultrasound machine. It's around 10 weeks of pregnancy that the embryo becomes a fetus and remains a fetus until birth. I'm not certain what scientifically the difference between a fetus and, and a baby are, all right? Look that up later. I don't think there's a difference there. But she's saying there's no, it's only an electrical insult. Um, how many of you heard the band up here singing this morning? Did you hear them? How many of you are hearing me right now? How many of you are wishing you didn't hear me right now? You know? Wow, wow. <laughs> Are, are you hearing my voice? Here, if I go like this, you are now hearing my voice, right? Do you hear me well? Yeah. Which do you like better? you like that or do you like this better? Maybe you like the other one because the other one's quieter and you can get a better nap, right? What are you hearing me right now? You are hearing me through an electrical impulse that is going through this microphone, out through the airwaves, and up into the, up into the mics, uh, excuse me, up into the speakers that are casting out my voice there. If you're close enough, you are hearing the actual words from my mouth, but otherwise, you're hearing this. This was just goggly goop talk that she was making up, trying to say that there is not a fetal harpy. It's ridiculousness. They are made in the image of God, right? It's the image of God. And the good news is there is forgiveness there. There is forgiveness in life. There is forgiveness in the brokenness. But they are made in the image of God. That baby is the image of God. All life is equally sacred. Let me continue on here. It's all equally sacred. This affects our beliefs and actions about euthanasia. Euthanasia certainly isn't as popular or as hot of a topic as abortion is, but it's certainly a topic that exists. There are 10 states, I believe, that have, uh, that, that have legalized euthanasia. Um, life gets a little too, too old, a little too hard. Um, if there's medically a reason we can do it, let's just end that life altogether. I have two parents that suffered through one Alzheimer's, the other dementia. And it can certainly be difficult dealing with that as that situation goes on. And you can wonder, God, why are, they, why are you holding on? It's not going to get better. It is only going to get worse. But never in my mind did I think that, well, it's time to euthanize my parents. Why? Because I have a worldview that states that life is special no matter where it is. I wear around uh, this right here. This is for Gigi's Playhouse. Um, a kid at school gave it to me a couple of weeks ago. Gigi's Playhouse. What is it for? It's for kids born with Down syndrome. Why? Because they're special. Well, no, they're not special. They're, they're something, well, if I knew that, would we have? Oh my goodness, they're special. 
They're loved by God. They're created in the image of God. Life is precious. You see, there is a difference between just passively, between passively letting God shut the body down and pushing God out of the way to do it. Let's go back. Do we value people like God does? Do we value some people like God does and other people like I want to? Does my worldview allow for me to cross over my Christian worldview with my humanist worldview with my, well, it's all just by chance and it's not even real half the time. It's just an illusion of the mind. Do I combine all of those worldviews? I hope not. We want to have a Christian worldview. Let me close with this story here. It's a story that Jesus tells. As a matter of fact, Matthew repeats it. Mark, who is writing on behalf of Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus Christ, repeats it. And Luke repeats it. Luke, who went back and did a thorough study so that he would understand, so that he could pass on, hey, this is what took place. These men wrote this story about Jesus as to what he said. And he was talking because, as I mentioned before, the religious leaders at that time of Christ, oftentimes they would try to trip him up. They would try to get him. They would try to catch him in his words and what he was doing. And Luke, and we're taking this account from Luke 20, and they send some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians, some of those that understood the Jewish law, Jewish scripture, which would have included Genesis chapter one. They would understand it. They send it to him. So spies questioned him. Teacher, we know that you speak and teach what is right, right? We know that you have a good worldview and that you do not show partiality, all right? Something that we're talking about here, we value all but teach the way of God in accordance with truth. Things that we all want to do, right? Things that as they are questioning him, that they are insinuating, these are things that we do as well. All right, we do them as well. Is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? So they ask him this question. Why are they asking? Because at that time, they wanted to set up their own kingdom again. And Jesus is, if he's a Messiah, really, they're going to set up their own kingdom. So why would we be paying taxes to Rome? All right. For them at this time, this is their Democrat-Republican argument that we use, right? Back then, which one? Well, what? Right? There we go. But he saw through their, Jesus saw through their duplicity and said to them, show me a Daenerys. Show me the coins. Show me the money. Right? Show me the money. I ought to write a movie sometime. <laughs> Who's... What image and inscription is on it? Jesus asks the question, whose image and inscription is on that coin? Caesar's, they replied. They knew the answer, so they were all excited. And Jesus responds, then give back to Caesar what is Caesar's. And he could have ended there because he's answered the question, right? The question was, should we pay taxes or not? And the answer is, yeah, you should pay taxes. Here you go. It's, is, that Caesar's, is that Caesar's inscription? Is that his image? Give it to him. All right, all done. And then maybe they're starting to walk away. Hey, thanks. But he didn't stop there. And to God, what is God's? What did these people that understood, these men that understood the law, what is it that they understood when he said this? And to God, what is God's? Whose image is on the coin? Caesar's. Whose image is on you? God's. And he says, then give to God that which is God's.
And they all understood. And Luke makes sure that we know why, because they were unable to trap him. And they were astonished by his answer. And they became silent. Why were they astonished? Were they astonished because he said, pay the taxes to Caesar? That wasn't what was astonishing. What was astonishing is he took their question, their literal, physical, in this world question, and he turned it around on them and he put it into a spiritual context saying, look at this. You're made in the image of God. You are of value. Then render unto God, then give to God that which is God's. I would encourage each one of you today in your life, know this, you are made in the image of God. Know this, the person that annoys you on the drive here or on the drive home, they are made in the image of God. The person on the other front line, end of the phone that is not answering the question that you want answered when you're trying to reach out to Amazon. Not that this has ever happened to me, all right? But they are made in the image of God. The person that lives next to you, the person that does life together with you, the person down the street, the person that you come in contact with, everywhere, they are made in the image of God. The Democrat, the Republican, they are made in the image of God. It affects the way we live. It affects the way we look around and live life. Why? Because we are made in the image of God. And let me just remind you of this. Being made in the image of God. It means this, on your lowest day, when you are feeling as low as it gets, like life can't go on, be reminded that you're an image bearer of God. No matter the difficulty, no matter the struggle, no matter how hard it may be, you bear that image. And guess what? The opposite of that is true as well. When we're up here, when we're riding high, when I'm thinking I'm better than everybody else, be reminded, I'm not God. I'm merely an image bearer of him. But let it affect your life. Let it affect the way you live. Pray with me if you would, please. As I, as I get ready to pray, I, I, I went over time and I, I'm sorry for that with each of you. But I would like to say this, there, there is a QR code that is available in the back if you would like more information about this morning's message, some of the things about euthanasia, some of the things about abortion. I believe Pastor Bob down at Bridgewater put that, or excuse me, down at, um, down at the Montrose campus put that together for us. And I would encourage you, if you would like, that, that QR code will be available back on the welcome desk back there if you would like to grab that for more information. God, as we close our time out this morning, I say thank you. Thank you that you are a great and gracious God. Thank you that you have allowed us to be made in your image. And God, I pray that you would bless and encourage each one here this morning. Thank you for them. Lord, go with them this week. And this is my prayer to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine through the power that exists in Jesus Christ, our Lord. May it be true. May it be so. Lord, help us to remember we are yours. We value people. In Jesus' name, amen.